Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 3rd of August. Wow, the year really has marched on, hasn't it, Pierre? That's right, that's right. And only a few more months and then we'll be back on our Christmas break. Uh, and, and then Radiothon asking for more money again. That's right, that's right. It'll just roll on very quickly. I am Giselle Hanna and Pierre is also with me in the studio today. And we are Asia Pacific Currents. We're taking you through to 9.30 this morning. We've always been Asia Pacific Currents for the last 35 <laughs> years. In the second part of the program, we are going to speak to comrades from Hiroshima Day in Sydney uh, because, of course, the 6th of August and the 9th of August are both Hiroshima and Nagasaki Day, the commemoration, the anniversary of the bombing, the nuclear bombing of those two cities in Japan. So we're going to talk to those comrades about the ongoing campaign and what it actually looks like all these years later. And the fact that um, we are just talking before coming on radio that the um, arms treaty between the US and Russia has just been, um, I think, thrown in, in the garbage bin or, or whatever the correct word is. So, um, And, of course, um, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links and Giselle, those uh, contact details. Yeah, if you want to uh, catch us on the web, go to allthews.aawl.org.au. We are on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms. Just do a search for AAWL and you can locate us. If you do want to send us an email, you can write to AAWL at AAWL.org.au. And, um, and of course, I think there's a few people who still haven't paid up the Radiothon uh, pledge. So if you're one of those, don't, uh, don't despair. You can still do it. Pierre, still I think you're one them. of those, aren't you? I'm afraid not. I actually just pay. You don't even make the pledge. I just pay. So there's no problem, Giselle. But I think maybe you. I think maybe you're having the mirror in front of you. But anyway, we won't go there, listeners. We won't go there. Um, of course, it is time now, though, for news from around the region. And we're going to start in India, where several coal miners uh, were found dead. Last week, a landslide at the Bharatpur Open Coast Mine in the Telcha coal fields in the Indian state of Odisha. Um, uh, that landslide was triggered by a controlled explosion nearby. Uh, the result of that landslide buried at least 14 workers. Four have been confirmed dead, while another 10 were transported to hospital with a variety of injuries. It's unknown if there are any more workers buried under the rubble. All the workers affected were precarious workers engaged by subcontracting companies. Workers and unions at the mine had previously complained of high production targets, unplanned extraction of coal, outsourcing coal production to third parties and management negligence towards safety measures. 
unfortunately sounds a, a very common occurrence. Now, before I go to the next story, of course, uh, thanks to um, Solidarity Breakfast for another very interesting program. And that um, uh, song that you heard before we came on, uh, which I actually really like, so that was good. Um, it's I'm an Alien by Rebel Deer, so um, look him up, sounds uh, very interesting. But we remain in India where um, another another unfortunate incident. Uh, last week, Shambhu, a laborer, uh, was killed when a major blast occurred in the furnace of a factory uh, of the company DC Steel Limited near Ludhiana in Punjab uh, state as uh, workers were working on a pot of hot iron. The blast injured another 11 workers, some suffering life-threatening burns. Now, interestingly, all of these workers were migrant labourers from regions like Bihar and Uttar Pradesh. It is not clear what caused the explosion or the employment status of these migrant workers. But given the previous uh, story, Giselle, they were probably on some uh, contract um, um, or short-term employment status. Uh, now in China, uh, there is a continued protest at, uh, in the automobile, so in the um, vehicle construction, uh, what's it called? Vehicle assembly um, industry. Towards the end of July, there are at least three collective protests by workers in China's, China's troubled automotive industry related primary to mass layoffs, wage arrears and unpaid compensation. On the 23rd of July, workers staged a protest demanding the payment of wages in arrears from a Cadillac dealership in Taizhou, Zhejiang, that had suddenly closed down without warning. On the 24th of July, workers at Eastone Automotive in Shanghai's Pudong district staged a protest claiming they were owed around 40 million yuan in wages in arrears, stretching back to the beginning of the year. And finally, on the 25th of July, so these are three consecutive days, at Hubei Maiyang Automotive Industry Company, they, those workers staged a protest um, against illegal dismissals, wageries and compensation payments. In the last 12 months, around 220,000 jobs, or about 5% of the automotive sector, have been lost. While many workers were dismissed, many others resigned because production levels became so low that they could not work overtime or earn any bonuses, leaving only their basic wage, which is often inadequate to live on. I think one of the interesting parts of that story, Giselle, is the fact that uh, the basic wage is actually not a living wage. So these workers are really forced to work overtime to survive. Yes. Another tactic used against us. We now go to the Philippines where um, there's been an ongoing strike that's almost hit two months. The over 200 workers of pearl shake maker Zagu Foods Corporation in the Philippines have been on strike since the 6th of June uh, in protest uh, against the illegal labour-only contracting and unfair labour practices of the company. The um, as the uh, union secretary Hazel Callane has stated, um, of the 250 uh, workers serving core functions as machine operators and service crew in this factory, um, they are contracted out from three different service cooperatives and manpower agencies. Many are also uh, still on short-term contracts, even if they have worked at the company for many years. Now, earlier in July, the workers were attacked by pro-manager scab and thugs. 
um, while the original picket line was destroyed, a new one has been set up and the uh, picket is ongoing. The, um, the Zagu workers are now increasingly getting solidarity from other workers and organisations, both in the Philippines and internationally. And airplane cleaners are on strike in South Korea. Hundreds of cleaners that work on Korean airplanes have been on an indefinite strike for almost two weeks. The cleaners, represented by the Korean Public Service and Transport Workers Union, had previously engaged in a campaign of intermittent work to rule and limited industrial actions, but had not been able to force management to engage with them. The main issue is that the cleaners are at the bottom of a subcontracting chain as they're employed by an outsourcing company, EK Manpower, which has a contract with Korean Airport Service, a subsidiary of the airline. They're on the minimum wage and exposed to poor working conditions. In response to the workers going on strike, EK Manpower is suing 12 of the main union activists for over 900,000 US dollars. These workers have now had their bank accounts frozen. The ITF has initiated an international solidarity campaign for these workers. Uh, using financial penalties against us. Again, you know, something that happens often. Uh, for our last item, we go to um, Turkey, where Mr. Serkan Acha, the mayor of Alyaga, a municipality in the third biggest Turkish city of Izmir, was elected in March of this year. Within a short time, he had first dismissed three workers and changed the job positions of around 200 workers without any justifications or a legitimate basis. Most of um, these uh, workers had been working in office jobs and they were forced to work in areas they were not trained for. Workers then began to take industrial action in May, but since then the repression has only increased. As of the 24th of July, the municipality had dismissed almost another 200 workers, as well as pressuring many others uh, to resign from the General Ish Union and sign up to a Yellow Union. There is now an international campaign calling for the restatement of all the dismissed workers and for the municipality to respect workers' rights and the right of workers to join the union of their choice. That's the end of the news roundup for today. It's just on 11 past 9 o'clock. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll come back with our main interview. Indigenous people in Australia and the Pacific have borne the brunt of nuclear testing. And this was not done unconsciously. We found documents in the British archives saying that, yes, there is uh, certain hazards, but only to primitive peoples, those that don't wear clothes and don't wash, unlike us British. So the sort of racism inherent in this whole operation was known and understood from the beginning that these were the casualties of a larger imperial policy and that they were able to bear the brunt because there were very small populations and didn't have much political voice. And as we fast forward to today, we see that same thing. 3CR, keeping you informed about Australia's nuclear past and present. At such a time, it's important to have a voice like 3CR, steady, constant, sane, and committed to a nuclear-free Australia. Always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. 
on 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. It's 12 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Um, Our guest interview this morning is Dennis Doherty from the Hiroshima Day Sydney Organising Group and he's the coordinator. Of course, the anniversary of both Hiroshima and Nagasaki Day is coming up on the 6th and 9th of August. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you and thank you, listeners. So I guess the first question is, some 74 years later, why is it still important to commemorate or at least look at uh, the, the nuclear bombing um, that, is a, that, that happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Well, just this, just this very day uh, on the news, the uh, Americans have announced they're uh, abandoning the INF Treaty, the Intermediate Range uh, treaty, nuclear treaty, which was uh, hammered out by Gorbachev and Reagan, and uh, during the Cold War, and um, the uh, commentator on the radio said that the Americans want those, want the intermediate range, because now they want to point them at China. So the the uh, tensions are, are are still around us. There are three or four tension spots all around Australia, all around the world. There's uh, a tension spot in in Europe with um, the Americans pushing back against uh, what they see as Russian uh, expansion. The, uh, there's uh, problems in the Middle East that we all know about, and there's problems between Pakistan and India, and, uh, and there are problems between China, North Korea, and the United States. So these are areas where nuclear war could happen, is, is possible, is, is uh, being planned for and organised for, and money is being set aside. Not just money, but mountains of money. Trillions of dollars are put aside for these weapons in a time when we uh, are in need of so many things. Money is put aside for these weapons, which are so devastating in their human consequences that they should never be used. So it's a very important issue. And um, the the fact that at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the weapons were actually used, and they haven't been... No one's actually used another weapon um, since. Um, We need to, to make sure that those weapons are never used again. And Australia has a key role in nuclear disarmament. If only we could persuade enough Australians and the government to uh, get behind nuclear disarmament. So that's. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sort of being carried away a bit here, but uh, no, no, it that's is very, very important. I mean, both Pierre, Pierre, who's in the studio with me, and I remarked at the start of the program that very um, treaty that has been what we've said thrown out the window by Trump. So, well, the arms treaty. Um, so absolutely, it is a timely conversation to have. Um, 
I did want to uh, ask, though, I mean, on the one hand, we have these mass student protests around climate change and this pseudo conversation about the climate emergency. And on the other, we have this seemingly completely unrelated uh, conversation about nuclear warfare that will have the uh, overall effect of basically destroying the planet. How is it that these two conversations aren't interacting with one another? That's a very good question, but there's, there's, um, we're very careful in the anti-nuclear movement not to fish on uh, global warming because it is a real issue and it does need a lot of attention. Um, but uh, we we do say uh, that nothing will ruin, ruin the uh, planet like a nuclear war, and uh, we'll do it a lot, uh, many many times quicker. Um, so it's a, it, it's a matter of, of um, people have got to live their lives and they've got to um, allocate their spare time. And there are just so many issues going around and it's hard, and, and, uh, it's hard for people to um, you know, balance things out. And uh, that's the task for anti-nuclear activists is to, to sort of say, hey, you know, this is an important issue too. And, and this issue should be allocated to, uh, time as well as uh, global warming. But um, we don't want to sort of be in competition or say, you know, we're better than the other or vice versa. You know, it's, it's important that we have unity and, uh, and we build up a, a strength of a community against nuclear weapons and against global warming um, and uh, somehow unite the two. Um, but we have a, a, a way to go yet. Mm. Um, Dennis, the, um, when you mention about uh, nuclear weapons uh, ruining your day, it actually reminded me that I've, I've got a, a very old poster uh, from one of the campaign against disarmament that actually, it's actually a very nice poster that says atomic weapons um, will ruin your day like nothing else and it was it's you know it, it was such a great poster that I've, I've i've kept and i still remember it but my question relates to the fact that it is the and i've actually um been uh, lucky or if that's the correct word but uh, to actually go to hiroshima uh, and actually go to the um uh, peace park and to the museum which is uh, extremely affecting uh, to be there and, and, and to see it. But I just wonder that part of the issue is that um, it was 74 years and a lot of people have um, have forgotten the, the, the horrors of uh, what these two bombs uh, created. Oh, that's very true. I've been to that uh, peace uh, museum as well. And um, it, it, it's very true. And there's also, it's a very strong feeling in Australia against uh, the Japanese because of uh, what happened during World War Two. So there's a lot of a feeling in, there is a feeling in the community that they deserve what they got. Now, um, I mean, that's a crude, uh, a crude description of, 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 uh, of what, uh, of, what some people are feeling, but that feeling is around, and we've got to admit that it is there. And um, the 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 um, the way to counter that and um, is to sort of say, you know, nothing nothing that the Japanese did 
um, is it, uh, justifies what what was done with nuclear weapons. And I mean that sounds a bit uh, wet behind the ears, a bit wussy, wussy. but um, that's that's a very hard um, idea to grasp by some in the community. So there's that very strong feeling, and you, you're right about the, you know, the fact that it was a long time ago. And the other fact is that around about 10, 15 years ago, the, both the United States and the Soviet Union uh, got rid of two-thirds of their arsenals, and everyone breathed a sigh of relief and went, went home or went off and did other, other campaigns. So there's a whole lot of factors going on, plus What's happened in the last few years, last 20 or 30 years, is that there's been so many attacks on uh, on the ordinary people, on, on the working class, if you like, that people have, fought, have got many fights going on. You know, you know like in, I just heard on your um, um, introduction that you know people are fighting against um, getting penalty rates uh, struck off and things like that. So there's so many fights. And, and struggles going on that all these issues uh, struggle to to get to get air because there's so many competing issues that are important and and need to be dealt with. But um, on, when it comes up to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it's a good idea to remind ourselves of how powerful these bombs were, how absolutely devastating they were, and how. You know the, the the stories of what happened when when to the people who were under those bombs. You know how their their flesh was burnt, and I, I, I don't want to go on to talk on on uh, uh, in a ghoulish way, but there were so many so many people injured and and, and killed and, and 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 who died in the, the most terrible suffering. Um, and and this is this is what we. This is what we could inflict or be inflicted on us if we can't get rid of these bombs. Well, I think one way um, to frame that, given the things that you just talked about, is actually as a class issue. So the warfare itself is a class issue. This um, perverse interpretation that somehow the Japanese people deserved it, actually framing that as a, a class issue. The war is not ours. The war never was ours. And we didn't win from the war. The imperialists won from the war wherever those imperialists currently hold that power. And you talked about some of the realignment in the world order, the various forces that are positioning themselves against each other, Russia, China, the US. Um, you talked about uh, India and Pakistan and you know, so do does the movement, the the nuclear disarmament movement, frame the issue in class terms, and through that, mobilising uh, workers in opposition to nu- nuclear weaponry? I mean, to to that end, I ask, where is the uh, anti-capitalist and working class anti-war movement? We're on the brink of war. We don't have a war anti-war movement to speak of anymore. I'd agree with most of what you're saying. The one of the the difficulties is that when we we're trying to build a broad movement, some people sort of um, arc up if you sort of use working class and capitalists and so on. So sometimes we 
we smoothed out the language. But you, you, you know, you, you'll put your finger right on the on the problem. And the the other thing is that um, the the um, the unions have in a in a fairly fairly moderate way, but in a very consistent way, they've sort of been supportive, and their leadership has been supportive. And we've had we've had a, a conference in Sydney recently saying, you know, peace is union business, and and you know we had these wonderful um, you know secretaries, general secretaries of various unions and and uh, the local labour council, and and what they had to say was absolutely beautiful and wonderful and and and, and spot on, and I and and then I, I asked the question, you know, the leadership is pretty progressive, but why doesn't it permeate down to the um, to the rank and file and and that's uh, that, that's they said that's that, that's their challenge and that's the challenge for the anti-nuclear movement we've somehow got to frame it as, as you suggest you know that it is a working class issue and that it's the working class people of Japan who got up off their their backsides and went and fought other working class people of, of Australia and so on and 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 um, they did it for for the uh, benefit of the uh, of the capitalists, as you suggest. And um, this is this is uh, you know this <laughs> this is um, something we we haven't succeeded in doing. Uh, I must confess in in in, in showing ordinary people how important this is and how they're being used. Um, and. Um, that that's one of the challenges for the movement. Um, um, so, and when when you put me on the spot here, I cannot sort of put um, put it um, an easy solution. But um, that's right. That's a combination right. Of, of, of these sort of programs and mm. and the workers uh, workers leadership and and the workers themselves, you know, coming to terms with all this. Yes, look, and, and Dennis, often uh, the, the problems that we face are very big and, uh, as we always say, if there were easy solutions and easy solutions to apply, someone else would have done it uh, by now. But uh, my last question really is that often when we talk about uh, nuclear weapons, we actually forget to mention that um, how these weapons are, are developed and their destruction their development and testing actually uh, brings, and of course that brings to mind the nuclear testing in the Pacific, in uh, Maralinga, and and all those, which are, are are big issues also to to bring out. That's right, and and the uh, we've just with the the anti nuclear movement in Australia has just brought out a woman from Guam, and the, Guam is part of the Marianas, and then there's. The other, um, the Marshall Islands are nearby. Now, the Marshall Islands had something like 67 tests. Um, they've had whole islands smashed into two. You know, they've had, uh, uh, you know, an absolutely dreadful uh, impact. And uh, there's areas in the so- former Soviet Union that have been devastated and our own country as well. So, you know, it, it is a... Um, uh, you know, an ongoing problem, and the the even to uh, to to keep the weapons and to keep them maintained, and even that is sucking up an enormous amount of money. Um, and so, 
you, as you rightly suggested, it's the environment, the, the, the very bad use of resources um, continues uh, to this day. And uh, that's why we should be out in force uh, calling for nuclear disarmament. Well, Dennis, thank you so, so much for your time on the program uh, this morning. And uh, quite frankly, congratulations to you and your group for maintaining the space alive for this conversation, uh, given the democratic space for these things is slowly shrinking. Um, it is, it's necessary that people like you keep it open. So thank you. Thanks for your time on the show and, and thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. That was Dennis Doherty, the coordinator of Hiroshima Day Sydney, and we spoke with him in uh, relation to the upcoming uh, uh, anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki on the 6th and 9th of August in 1945. Um, and of course, that allowed us to have a broader conversation about nuclear disarmament. Uh, but that is all we've got time for on Asia Pacific. Asia-Pacific Currents this morning. Thank you for tuning in. That's right, Giselle. And uh, my name is uh, Pierre Morrow. And uh, we'll be back next week with another fantastic program of Asia-Pacific Currents, bringing you labour news from the Asia-Pacific region and sometime much further out. And uh, on your favourite community radio station, 3CR, brought to you by your favourite uh, community and labour organisation, Australia Asia Worker Links. That's right. And coming up next is Palestine Remembered. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.